Awesome. So we continue our series. We're actually finishing our series this week on perspective. And uh, I'm not sure about this or much of anything today. So we're just going to roll with it. I'm good. Thank you, though. Um, I have this many papers to get through in under 20 minutes. So I'm going to ask you guys to help me. I think you're really going to be fascinated by some of the things I shared today. And this week we are talking about, uh, week one we talked about the paradox of perspective. Uh, last week we talked about the power of perspective. And this week we are talking about uh, the practicing of perspective. So how do we get beyond just, okay, this is a focal point for chapel or retreat. And yeah, I'm going to think differently and I'm going to live differently. But how do we actually implement this in a way that it changes the trajectory of our lives for good. Um, and so I'm, I'm real excited about today. This is something I started doing years ago, and I don't even know why I started doing it. I think I was tired of feeling depressed and anxious all the time. It felt like a weight on my chest, and I was like, man, I don't think Jesus endured the brutality of the cross for me to just get through a day or to just get through life, even in the midst of difficulty and hardship. And so this week, we're going to talk about some practical applications uh, about this thing called perspective, okay? So perspective determines a lot about our lives. It determines our position and our posture in life and how we filter things, how we view things that happen in our lives, okay? And it affects our relationships. Did you know that 90% of conflict is a result of misunderstandings. Yes. Oh, fantastic. I'm glad Trent knew that. I didn't know that. Maybe like me, you didn't know. Or maybe like Trent, you're like, yeah, I totally knew that. But 90% of conflict is all about misunderstandings. Now, how many of you love conflict? You're like, yeah, bring it on. Totally not me. If I even think there's a hint of conflict I'm like throwing up out both ends. I can't do it. I'm hiding in my bed. I'm pulling the covers over and I'm saying, Tucker, let me know when it's over, right? I hate conflict. And a lot of us don't like conflict. And some of that is because we don't know how to handle conflict in a good, godly, healthy way. And conflict is actually a good thing. It's how we grow. And and so sometimes if I have a misunderstanding with uh, Mrs. DeLauder, okay, Chances are, um, if I have a conflict with her, I've just misunderstood something she has said, or maybe she's misunderstood something I've said. And I think that's a lot of us in this room, especially as it pertains between the relationship between students and staff. And my goal today, my hope today, is that we can meet in the middle, that we can listen. And not listen to respond, but just listen. Just listen, okay? And, and it's, no di- it's no small thing that there's uh, misunderstandings because we're all different, right? We're all wired different. Like me and my friends, we are all totally different. And it, the Lord has to remind me all the time, Tara, I didn't make them like I made you. Stop having those expectations. Uh, I really like words. I love words. Um, I, I like working with them. I like using them. 
And, and sometimes I might send a long hallmark text about how someone is at best and I believe in them and I'm praying for them and God is with them and blah, 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 right? And the response I get back after this, like, I mean, Hallmark should be paying someone like me to fix their greeting card line, okay? Because their cards are trash. And so sometimes I spend all this energy into a text, and it's really long, and it's beautiful. It's almost poetic. There's almost like cherub angels flittering above with their wings. And the response I get is, thank you. I'm like, thank you. That's it. What's wrong with you? That's all you can say, right? And the Lord has to be like, Terry, not everyone likes words like you like words. Just like not everyone is athletic like you might be. And we're all different. And so because we're different and we have these different life experiences, it affects our perspective and we see things differently. There's a good chance that something that is important to you is not of importance to me. There's a solid chance that what's important to me likely is not important to you. And that's okay. One isn't better or right or wrong. It just means we're all different. So when we're all different, we all have these different life experiences and these different perspectives. Sometimes that's when clashes happen. That's when misunderstandings happen. That's where conflict happens. So, for example, as a teacher, I expect you to give me your absolute best every day. Now, sometimes your Monday best looks different than your Tuesday best. And I understand. And as a student, you come into my class completely pressurized, stressed out, overwhelmed, because you're behind in your classes, your parents are on your back, and you feel sick to your stomach because there's some friendship drama going on, and you're just like, man, I just can't. So you expect me to give you grace. So you're expecting me to give you grace. I'm expecting you to give me my best. And there's this tension, right? There's this friction because we're looking at things a little bit differently. I'm looking at it from my perspective. I'm not looking at it from your perspective. You're looking at it from your perspective. You're not looking at it from my perspective. So how do we bridge that gap? We have to step aside and try to see it from the other person's perspective. And that is hard to do. That takes humility. Humility is not a natural inclination for any of us. Because at our core, apart from Christ, right, we are incredibly selfish, sinful, prideful beings. It takes humility. And so as we dig into this, um, what does it take? It takes a conversation. What does a conversation include? A one-sided conversation is called a what? Come on, theater people. Monologue. Yeah, every night with Tucker, I talk to him, and he's, like, not saying anything back. Matter of fact, he's so rude, he's sleeping. And I'm like, wow, what an exciting monologue, Tucker. Thanks for, you know, asking about my day. A two-sided conversation is called a what? Dialogue. Dialogue, right? And nobody likes to have a monologue, okay? And so healthy conversations... Healthy conversations include, I'm getting all mixed up. Healthy conversations include uh, conversation, it includes talking, but it also includes listening. Listening. And most of us want to do all the talking, right? We don't like to listen. I'm a terrible listener. I know this about myself. So I've been working on 
when someone's talking to me, I put my phone down. And I mess it up all the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. And they're like, really? I just told you my cat died. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then I have to go back and I say, okay, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Would you say that again? Because I want to be fully there. So a conversation includes both talking and listening. We recently did a survey. A survey. A survey. Whoo, words are hard. All right. We did a survey and you guys participated. And I'm thankful for that. I'm not going to read all the responses. I, I was scrambling to even get these typed up. But staff especially, please listen. Here's the question. How do you wish you could be seen or treated differently? Now, before I read these, I'm going to ask you to handle these with maturity. That means we're not going to giggle or laugh about something that might be read. Okay? Because that would be hurtful. Just listen. This is what students wrote when asked the question, how do you wish you could be seen or treated differently? I wish I could be treated like I belong, like I am family, because right now I feel like an outcast. And I'll say, these are hard to read. These are hard to hear. Um, these, this is a difficult conversation, okay? But we're going to turn a corner at the end, so hang with me. I wish I did not have to hide who I am and people see me the same, even though they do not like it. I wish they could see that I can make wise decisions too. I am smarter than how I speak. I wish I wouldn't get judged so much about little things. I wish they would help when I need it. Maybe give us more of a break and be, be encouraging, not harsh. I wish we teenagers weren't seen as only doing bad things a lot. We get treated like kids but are expected to act like grown-ups. I wish there was an in-between. I want teachers to respect me more and treat me better. I think teachers play favorites with students. I wish everyone would leave me alone and not ask personal questions. We are still kids and still humans, so we make mistakes, that I am always working hard even when it doesn't seem like it. Just give us a hug because I don't think adults understand how easy it is to fake a smile and sometimes all we need is just love. Life is draining. Support me on what God is calling me to do. Don't see me as the annoying troublemaker that most people know me as. Please don't look down on me. We don't have our lives together, but controlling us solves nothing. I wish everyone would be the, seen the same. No more favorites. Respect my privacy. I'm doubted by everyone all the time. Trust me more. The survey continues. Again, students answering. What do you wish adults knew or understood about your generation? And for those of us who already offended or we already got feelings and we want to check out don't lean into the tension of this and students i'm about to ask you to do the same here's what students wrote when asked what do you wish adults knew or understood about your generation personally i wish they knew how judgmental this generation is i wish someone could relate to the pain i feel it's not like something i would cry over but i don't like openly talking about how i feel I just make fun of myself around others because it makes me feel better for some reason, even when someone is making fun of me. 
that our generation isn't completely lost or lazy. We're just trying to grow up just like every other generation. That we don't like to be bossed around. We hate it when they yell at us and that's how we can get stubborn. We will do things when we are ready and want to. Our lives are stressful. We have other lives at home and also are going through things differently than adults are. We are learning and making mistakes. Not everything should be made into a big deal. Social media is a big part of our lives now. I feel adults don't understand how stressful high school is with sports, homework, social media, college, chores. Life can be so overwhelming and sometimes just someone listening to us is all we need. Also, I feel like being a teenager also means being guilty. Like just because we are a teenager means we are automatically guilty of something. Most adults never had to worry about technology as a kid, so they don't understand the weight that comes with it. They compare us to either good kids who make good grades and say we should be like them, or they say, well, kids in Africa only have, implying we are not grateful. I feel unheard by my parents, coaches, and teachers. I wish adults understood that just because they were a kid doesn't mean they understand. Even though we don't always deserve it, we want to be respected a little more. We are forced to respect others when they don't always deserve it. That when they try to help, they make it worse. Social media really makes it hard on everyone. This one, this next one was fascinating to me. I wish they knew that getting mad at us for not worshiping isn't going to help us, but rather try to make it more engaging and fun. If you wrote that, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I want to hear your ideas, your thoughts on that. I wish they understood more about how much stress and pressure is put on us. It's exhausting. There are so many kids in our generation who are depressed and who feel alone. We go through so much more than people realize. I wish this next one is funny. I wish that they knew that uh, we didn't knew, need our life. Uh, I wish that they knew that we don't need our entire lives controlled. We're about to be in college, and I don't think they'll care if I drink water or Gatorade. <laughs> Girl, boy, you better drink that Gatorade. I wish adults knew that it feels like so many people are depressed. So many people feel so looked over like they don't matter at all. We just need to feel like we matter. That not everything done within a group is everyone's fault, and that not everyone should be punished for it. I wish adults knew that 12-year-olds are not meant to be treated as adults, but not meant to be treated like children either. That being different in today's world, you don't last a bit. Every corner you turn, there's always someone ready to judge you and make you feel worthless. I'm most confident that many people want to be good Christians, but fear what others will think and that they just want to fit in. That there are so many people who are constantly telling us how bad we are and how much we mess up. I think that the more everyone tells us to be better, it just makes us feel worse. Then I think a lot of people just give up trying to please everyone, and that's where a lot of the apathy comes from. If school isn't a place for sleep, then home isn't a place for work. <laughs> I won't tell you how many times I saw that one. <laughs> I wish they knew that sometimes we feel like we will never be good enough, even though we are trying our best. Sometimes we just need assurance. Now, I didn't read all of them. 
there were a lot of responses that were similar. There, there were a few. I couldn't read the writing, so I skipped it. But I read the ones that stuck out to me the most. And just like any survey, just like any opinion, that doesn't hold true for every single person represented in a survey. There were likely some that I read that, I, that you totally didn't agree with, and there were others that you're like, yeah, that was good. I should have written that one down. Or they copied off my survey. What? <laughs> so it's not indicative that all of you feel unseen. But what doesn't matter, what matters so much is not that all of you feel unseen, but that even one of you feels unseen. That's a problem. That's not okay. And y'all need to pray for your teachers and coaches tonight. That, that is not easy to hear. That's not easy to read. And, and I'm thankful that you were honest, but I can tell you that is not our heart for any of you. So, students, in this moment, after reading that, do you feel heard? Anyone? Simple head, thumb up, yes, no, hello, anyone? This feels like a monologue. Some don't feel heard. Some do feel heard. Okay, this is a start of a conversation. When, you, when we ask you questions and you can be honest and say, look, I get that you're trying to help, but when you constantly ride me, it doesn't help. So that's one side. Can we flip to the other side? Students, will you lean in and listen to what staff wrote? Check this out. There's not as many. I didn't hear from as many staff, unfortunately. But listen to what some staff wrote. And I actually have no idea who even wrote these. But again, I went through and just briefly circled for the sake of time. What is one message you want to communicate to our students? You ready? You are loved and cared about even in your messes. We are here to help, encourage, and direct you, even if we have to discipline you. We know how much you are capable of and want to see you reach that potential. What do you wish students knew or understood about you? I'm a sinner saved by grace. There's nothing about me worthy of that grace. What is one message you want to communicate to our students? The message I would like to communicate to my students is to establish a strong relationship with Christ. This is how they will be able to handle the good and hard things life brings our way. I wish I knew that I am here for them, not just academically, but spiritually and emotionally also. That I would love to sit and listen to what they are going through without judgment. I wish students knew that I want to help when they struggle. We're going back to a student one. Um, th these were fascinating to me. I wish they took our mental health seriously and not sweep it aside by stating that it's just part of growing up. I wish they knew how cruel people are and how they hurt us so easily. I wish they understood that we can be tired even though we don't have jobs. They invalidate us at every turn. Not every problem in our lives is due to technology or social media. We might actually be using our phones as an escape. That we shouldn't be guilty by association. Grades shouldn't define us. 
I want people that can look past our flaws and look at us as humans and as a friend. The people that are supposed to be our allies become the people we want to run away from. How on earth did we get here? Through misunderstanding, through not having hard conversations, for not saying, tell me what's really going on with you, for, for, for not asking the question, how am I loving students well or not loving them well? And I'll be honest, I've worked with young people for a long time. I've been in ministry a long time. I don't really like adults. I like your age group. It brings out the best in me, believe it or not. And if you think my best is scary, well, just keep me on your prayer list. (laughs) But you know what? I don't have any of the answers. And I've gotten it more wrong than I've gotten right. Some of the things I've observed over the years is um, students that get offended if I write them an infraction. And my heart is not to make your bad day worse. My heart is not to be Paula Blart, mall cop legalistic. I did that once at H-E-B. It was awesome. The crime rate might have increased when I had that job. My heart is to help you be the best that you can be. It's not that, and, and, and I would say this is true of every teacher in here. It's not that we're, we're looking for all the flaws. We don't, believe it or not, there's not an employee compensation plan where we get bonuses if we write X amount of infractions. That's not a thing. Nobody wins a donut, okay, in the teacher lounge. As a matter of fact, it hurts us when we have to do that as much as it hurts you. But we do that, why? To help you be the best that you can be. It even says in scripture, like a father loves his children, he disciplines them. Can can I break it down for you guys in a way that I think will make more sense? Praise God, our parents potty train us when we're babies. Okay, no, real talk. School is hard. Your age is awkward. Everyone's trying to figure out who they are and where they fit and who their friends are and what their dreams and goals are. And people are like, what are you going to do in college? And you're like, bro, I'm just trying to make it through today. (laughs) Right? So there's this like overall disconnect. And as hard as it is, as stressful as it is, as overwhelming as it is, praise God that none of us are still in diapers pooping our pants. (laughs) Life would be a lot different and a lot more awkward if your parents didn't love you enough to potty train you. So can we just dismantle the myth that teachers write infractions to be jerks? It's because we care about you. And look, I'm going to dismantle the myth that when I have a student in class who looks like they're not giving me their best effort, that might not be the case. They might absolutely be giving me their best effort, and I need to stop and consider that. I'm willing to admit I get it wrong. And every staff person, every teacher and coach in here is willing to say, I may have gotten it wrong. (laughs) That's how we grow and get better. But it's not enough for us to admit it. You have to look within yourself and say, how could I have misunderstood, perhaps, what they did or what they said? 
This is part of the conversation. If 90% of conflict comes from misunderstandings, then that means I have to come to the table and I have to shut my big mouth and I have to lean in and listen. I've had a lot of conversations like this lately where I tell Susie Q, I'm just so upset by what this person said. And Susie Q being my friend listens and then Susie Q will say, could it be that perhaps what they meant was this? And guess what happens? I get real quiet, get a little bit awkward. Cause I'm like, dang it, yes, it could be. And then all of a sudden my guard goes down and I'm not offended and I'm not upset because I'm actually seeing from their perspective. As a staff, we need to do a better job of seeing things from your perspective. You know what? You're right. None of us have a clue what it's like to be you. We don't. Your childhood and your growing up and your youth experience is vastly different than ours. But you ready? Can I counter it? Just because we don't understand doesn't mean that we're disqualified from God being able to use us to maybe help you, to encourage you. Just because we don't understand doesn't disqualify the fact that God might be able to use us to help you. We're in this together, like better together. But we've got to be willing to step back and see things from the other perspective. I've got to wrap up. As we listen to others, our understanding should shift in some way. And if it doesn't, our own pride is blocking us. Did you catch that? Let me say it again. As we listen to others, our understanding should shift in some way. If it doesn't, our own pride is blocking us. Did you know that it takes roughly 66 days for a habit to become automatic? Just 66 days. Literally, if you started counting now, if today were day one, and you started counting one through 66, you would have a new way of thinking, a new vision for life, a better mental health, a better sleeping at night, better overall production of your desired goals, whether it's academic or athletic or both or in your friendship circle, just 66 days is all it would take. Literally before the end of school, you would have a fresh vision on your life. And most of us think, well, I'll be better when school's over. Oh, this year, I can't, I can't. Near the dogs, they're my last nerve. <laughs> What if we didn't have to wait for summer to get our best life now? What if we went after that thing now? Just 66 days is all it takes to develop a new habit, for a new habit to become automatic. There's three steps to practicing perspective. Ready? Everyone say three. Three. The first step is this. Speak. Open up. Share your thoughts. Leave an anonymous note on your teacher's desk. We'll consider it. But it's not fair for you to hold an offense or a grudge without giving us the opportunity to perhaps correct it or fix it. It's not fair for you to be upset at your friends and you just ghost them without giving them the opportunity to rectify it. Speak. 
Talk to us. Help us learn. Three steps to practicing perspective. Number one is you've got to be honest and start talking. And I'm not talking just talking in circles with your chatter and your gossip, tearing down teachers. It's not okay. You go to that teacher yourself. Or you leave an anonymous note. Right? And you do it respectfully. Don't you dare lose your respect and honor when trying to handle something. You got a problem with the way Mrs. DeLauder looks at you? You politely and humbly and respectfully go to her after class. Mrs. DeLauder, can I talk to you? I kind of feel like really judged and picked on when you look at me that way. Or when you say that to me in that way. Some of us are carrying around a lot of offenses there. Man, there were tons of results. I, I literally did not have time to type them all up. I was scrambling today. But some of us in this room are carrying around offenses and grudges towards teachers and coaches. And that's not right. That's not fair if you haven't given them the opportunity to correct that, to do different. Okay? So number one, speak. Be honest. Okay? Number two, the second step to practicing perspective is this. Listen. Really listen. Like, don't listen to respond, right? When someone's telling you about a problem, how many of you in your head are crafting your response? Well, if I were you, I would block Johnny Joe, and I would beat up Susie, and yeah, then just ghost a man like, bye, Karen. That's not listening. Listening means that you stop talking, and you stop thinking, and you absorb all of the information that's being told to you. I'm a terrible listener. I want to be better. I, I'm, I'm trying. It's hard for me. My mind is going all the time. So the first step, practicing perspective, speak and be honest. The second step, probably the most important step, is listen. Listen. Don't listen to respond. Listen to understand. And the third step is this. Fix your mind on things above. This has been a game changer for me. A game changer. Here's my favorite verse, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 65, 11, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance psalm 23 6 surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever psalm 34 8 oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is a man who trusts in him psalm 107 8 and 9 oh that men would give thanks to the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. He knows those who trust in him. Can I give you an example of how this works and how it doesn't work? Yesterday, um, I've got a really full week this week, and um I, the night, a couple nights ago, I did not sleep good at all. And so I woke up super tired yesterday and just overwhelmed. And it was one of those days I needed to have a productive day, right? 
like I needed to get a certain amount of things done. And I wake up and my tire's low. So I go to the tire shop where they do the free air check. And the guy's like, uh, you got a nail in your tire. You might want to get that fixed. I said, okay. He's like, now would be a good time. I said, oh, I've got to get to work. I'll come back later, right? And so I was like, oh, I don't have time for a nail in my tire today. <laughs> right? I mean, the whole day I'm just like, Grr! Tuesdays to get a nail in the tire fixed, but it's got to be done. And so I go back to the tire shop, and the guy said, "If we can't fix, if we can't get the nail out of your tire, do you want me to put your spare on?" And a lot of newer cars don't come with spare tires. I said, "Sir, I don't have a spare tire. If you can't get the nail out of the tire, just leave the nail in the tire. I'll make it work." And he said, okay, because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if you ruin my tire, I'm really up a creek without a paddle, and I'm going to come unglued like wreck a rock. No! Okay. Gosh, guys, I just wanted to have fun. So the guy's like, okay. And he goes, well, how about buying some new tires? You really need some new tires in the back of your car. I said, I'm really not in a position right now to get tires for my car. If you can't fix the nail in my tire of my car, just leave it, and I'll come back every few days, get a top off the free air and be good to go, okay? And so I'm sitting there. Now, mind you, I scheduled an appointment. Why scheduled an appointment? I do not know. I sat there for 45 minutes, twirling my thumbs, thinking about my to-do list that was growing, 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 my headache that was growing, 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 my stress that was growing, 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 right? Now, at any point in that 45 minutes, did I recall these verses? No. And that's why my temperament was so bad. That's why I was so anxious. That's why I was so worried. That's why I was so stressed. So homeboy comes back and he says, you know, I know you said you couldn't get tires right now, but how about one tire? And I'm like, oh boy, this is my breaking point. Like, well, little inner Jesus I had left just totally got deflated. See what I did there? Tires deflated. Wow. Thanks for the courtesy laugh. So I look at the guy and I'm like at my breaking point. Like at this point, I have a crack in my throat and I'm done. And I said, sir, it is the end of my pay period and I've got to make it to last. I can't buy a new tire. He goes, okay. Okay. And he walks off. Now, at this point in the conversation, am I saying any of these verses of truth? No. No. I'm like more stressed and more anxious, right? Because now I'm getting ticked off because this dude is hassling me for tires. (laughs) I'm not getting tires today, bro. Either pull the nail or leave the nail and let me go, right? So then he comes back. And he says this. He says, ma'am, he goes, I'm going to put a tire on your car. And I'm about to, I mean, I'm just about to swing. I don't have my Cornerstone shirt on, so I'm really about to let loose. Like, he is not getting the memo. He's not getting a message. I said, well, how exactly does that look? I I said, I don't have money for a tire. He said, look, I want you to be safe. I'm going to put a tire on your car. If you want to come back and pay me for it or pay for part of it, great. And if not, okay. I just want you safe. And I drove off the lot yesterday with a new tire, which messes with my OCD because now I literally have three different kinds of tires on my car. But it's okay. But look, I walked away. I didn't walk away. I drove away convicted 
convicted because I didn't have the right mindset. I didn't have the right vision, right? And it, it, God had it. Like, look at God to put a tire on my car. Who does that? God does. And I'm telling you, this is a game changer because if I told you, make a list of everything wrong with this cafeteria, you would have no problem making a list of the things that you think need to be changed. Well, the same is true with positive things. The same is true with being thankful. What you look for is what you will see. And what you see is what you will behold. And and what you will behold is, is the blessings in life that God has for you. Now, if God cares enough about little Tara and her bad attitude on a Tuesday to bless me with a tire, a tire, how much more does God care about each one of you and the things you wrote down? Let me close with this quote. Charles Spurgeon said this, Christian, remember the goodness of God and the frost of adversity. Christian, remember the goodness of God and the frost of adversity. Let me tell you guys, let's look as I tell you this and then we're going to pray and be out of here. Everyone looking at me. We love you. Every single one of you. As you are. We care so deeply about you. No one works at Cornerstone to build a career. (laughs) It's actually quite the opposite. But you know why we come every day? Because we love you. We believe in you. We see the hand and the goodness of God all over every single one of you. I still have something coming. What grade are you this year? Tenth? I still have a note in my desk that he wrote in eighth grade that God used to speak to me. I still have it. He said, you called it, but you didn't claim it. I said, ooh, that's good. That'll preach. Write that down. He wrote it down in his little eighth grade scrappy handwriting. (laughs) We love you. We believe in you. We want what's best for you. We want to help you. We, We ask questions because we care, and we're just trying to figure it out. But we can't figure it out if you guys don't meet us in the middle and talk to us and help us. We believe in every single one of you. One day, some of you are going to be the ones running this school and coaching the the championship basketball team and doing all the incredible great things. So please, don't misunderstand our standard of excellence as judgment against who you are. Measure it like your parents loving you enough to potty train you, right? What a blessing. You should go home today and tell your mom and dad, hey, thanks for potty training me way back in the day. Super thankful, man. (laughs) And they're going to look at you like, what? And then just go to your room and jam out some music and leave them alone. They'll figure it out. And if they don't, well, they're just weird like all of us. But also, guys, help us. We want to help you, but would you help us? Would you help us? But I mean what I say. We love every single one of y'all. We believe in every single one of y'all. You are so much more than your grades and your athletic abilities. You matter as a human. 
You have great value to every single one of us. We're just like you as adults. We're humans trying to figure it out. But may we all remember in the frost of adversity to remember the goodness of God. What are your eyes fixed on? Pray with me. God, thank you for today. And and, um, God, I I just pray that you, um, God, that you would help us. That you would help us to listen, to understand. God, that you would help us to speak and be honest. And God, above all, that you would help us to fix our mind and our eyes on things that are above. God, I'm so thankful that every single day we wake up, we can see the goodness of you, God, in the land of the living. God, thank you for free tires. God, thank you for provision. God, thank you for these students and for the school and for this this staff who who loves these kids so much. God, I, I pray that by your spirit and your power, God, this is only something you can do, but I'm asking that you would restore to this place a spirit of unity. God, that we would truly love each other and cheer each other on. God, that you would clothe each one of us in the humility of Christ. God, help us to be willing to listen as much as we are to speak. God, give us eyes to see things and situations and people like you see them. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.